Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From the Battery Street Studios of KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Wednesday, October 27th. Facebook once again is in trouble. The release of the Facebook papers show that internal alarms about dangerous and misleading content have been going off for a long time. Yet at the highest levels of the company, Facebook leadership has prioritized engagement and growth over individual safety and public security. I wanted to get a more complete look, and so today I'm joined by one of my favorite writers in the tech space from Wired Magazine to better understand the origins and the scope of the Facebook papers and to find out what the Facebook papers mean for the Bay Area-based tech giant and what's happening right now in Menlo Park. Gilad Edelman, politics writer for Wired. Gilad covers the intersection of technology and politics at Wired. You could read his new report, How to Fix Facebook According to Facebook Employees, which is part of a new series, The Facebook Papers on Wired.com. Uh, Gilad, thanks for joining me. I won't take up too much of your time because I imagine that you're just buried in a, a stack of papers, but it's probably you know, in PDF form on something like an iPad for you these days. So, have, have you had a chance to come up for food, water? I mean, how much reading does something like this entail? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm behind on laundry, is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as is now public information, uh, Wired was one of 17 publications uh, that got access to these Facebook papers, which, which were originally obtained by the Wall Street Journal. And these documents are just thousands and thousands of pages of internal uh, research papers and discussion posts and all kinds of stuff, mostly by researchers on Facebook's integrity team, but also from uh, people from other parts of the company. And it's it's quite voluminous, and um, it's it's a it's a fun, it's been a pretty fun challenge to to sort through it and and zero in on the stuff that helps us understand this company better. Is there is there a nice round number in terms of like the total page count? No, just thousands. <laughs> just thousands. Wow. Question mark, question mark, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong or give me a little bit more information and background. Is all of this information that was provided by Francis Haugen, the whistleblower who we've seen testifying before Congress, former uh, Facebook employee turned whistleblower, did all of this come from her? Yes. Wow. This all came from her. So the, she, the these documents were included in disclosures um, that – Francis made to the Securities and Exchange Commission and to Congress. Um, and uh, these documents are redacted uh, mostly to protect the identities of you know, Facebook employees. 
And then those, uh, the consortium has gotten access to these redacted documents that were provided to the government initially. The words of Facebook's own employees that you wrote about, I want to read one of your observations. It's almost cliche at this point to accuse Facebook of ignoring the impact its products have on users and society. The observation hits a little harder, however, when it comes from inside the company. In researching, combing through the, the volumes and volumes, and kind of picking out the the personal accounts that, that you highlight in your article, what stood out to you the most? Big picture, the thing that stood out to me the most is I came across a a lot of examples of employees making a version of the, the point that Facebook doesn't build for quality experiences for its users. So what that means is when speaking generally, when Facebook is considering, you know, rolling out a new product or um, changing an existing product or, or feature, like let's say changing how the newsfeed works or the, or how your feed and Instagram works or something like that. It's general approach is to um, look at, you know, do some tests to figure out how that's going to affect engagement. So how will this new product or this change, w- will that increase the amount of time that users are spending on our, pro- on our platforms or the, you know, how often they're coming back. And uh, as has been well documented over the years, but really shines through from these files, uh, all kinds of problems emerge from that. When you are designing a product uh, with the highest value being optimizing for user engagement, that it turns out that a lot of the most engaging stuff is stuff that uh, can be really harmful or at least lead to you know negative consequences for users or society. And the the striking thing from some of these internal documents is people saying, "Hey, you know, maybe what if what if we uh, actually tried to make thought about how to make these things good?" Uh, before we roll them out? Or what if we actually planned for the possible downsides of these these tweaks before we roll them out? And what that tells me is that from the perspective of people working on, you know, trying to address a lot of these issues inside the company, uh, Facebook, like at at its core, it's it's a problem of approach. It's it's about what, what happens when you sort of assume that more engagement equals good and don't pay that much attention to other ways that you might measure what's good. It's engagement. Therefore that checks the, the box for the company. Is that a, 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 a correct interpretation? They really think, only are looking at the engagement as being the factor that matters. I think so. I, I think you could describe it philosophically. Facebook says that its mission is to connect the world and give people a voice. And it appears that for Mark Zuckerberg and the company's leadership, the more that people are using the product and the more they are engaging, getting content um, fed to them by the algorithms that they're engaging with, the more um, the world is being connected. So I'm not saying that the company is setting out to do bad uh, or thinks that it's doing bad at the high, that at the highest levels. Um, but many of the people who work for the company do think it's doing bad inadvertently because Facebook doesn't, you know, if you try to peel back that slogan, you know, connecting the world, what does that mean? What does it mean for the world to be more connected? It's, it's, it's not really clear. And, and a theme that emerges from these documents is that the company doesn't really have a well-defined uh, vision beyond that slogan of what, what is good. 
what is a good experience on Facebook or Instagram? What is a good way to um, like, what, what, what would be in the public interest as far as what kinds of content we're bringing to the surface and what kinds we're not? It's much it's, more reactive. Right. And when I say it's reactive, sorry, just to finish that thought. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's uh, another really important theme uh, from these documents is that Facebook's approach is, you know, try to try to maximize engagement. And then they know that bad things happen because of that. And their approach is to try to clean up those messes after the fact. So, okay, mm -hmm. let's turn up engagement and then figure out how to control the the negative consequences of that. And it's pretty clear that that just doesn't work very well. It's a very kind of old school libertarian approach, right? Like we are going to kind of put this out there to the, the marketplace, so to speak. We're going to provide this service and we're not going to put our hand on the scale either way, but that's kind of gotten out of control now. It can look like something like the proliferation of the stop the steal movement after you know, the presidential election in November, in between November and what we all know happened on January 6th. It can also look like uh, problems for teenagers, for children, essentially, with uh, self-esteem issues and perception issues, uh, with how many likes they're getting on an Instagram post. I mean, these are two vastly different examples, but fall into that bucket of very real-world problems that trying to remedy or address them retroactively doesn't do much because the problems already happened at a grand scale. On your point about libertarianism, I think that's true in, in a sense, and it's not true in, in a different sense. It's true that Facebook, and I think all, all big um, social platforms, don't want to be in the position of saying, we agree with this these kinds of users, we disagree with those kinds of users. They want to be politically neutral. And I really under relate to that. I really respect that. It would, it, I, I think I would make the same choice, but that's not a neutral position or, or let, me, let me put it another way. Their design choices are not necessarily a neutral position. It's like, you might say, okay, everybody's free to drive on the road, however they want. But if you went out the night before and, and uh, sprayed a bunch of water and iced up the road before everybody commuted to work mm. the next day, you that's not a neutral choice, right? You're like optimizing, yeah. people are going to be driving fast and they're also going to be getting into car crashes. And something similar is at play with Facebook. If you, if you decide that the goal that you're pursuing is engagement, that's a choice. There are other choices. There's a really interesting uh, kind of white paper in these documents. It was originally reported on um, from a different leak, basically, by MIT Tech Review. But this is the first time that I uh, engaged with it by a, a very senior data scientist formerly at Facebook. And he says, look at Google. Google uh, search, uh, Google's you know core organic search algorithm uh, is really good. And the reason that it's really good is that they made a choice that they wanted to rank the organize the web and according to what's most useful. And so they don't Google, like when you search for something on Google, it doesn't give you what's most engaging. Yeah. It gives you yeah. what Google thinks is going to be most useful. And it does that by, by, you know, indexing the web, looking at things like how, how often is a given site linked to by other sites and other kinds of metrics of reliability, authoritativeness. What's next? What kind of hot water are they in? It's a good question. This is not the first time that Facebook has been hauled into Washington to be berated by Congress and Facebook stock prices up this week because hmm. their earnings are up. So 
there's a sense in which they keep printing money no matter how much bad publicity they get. You know, there's also a legal component here because um, Francis, the whistleblower, she filed complaints with the SEC um, alleging material misrepresentations of fact. Now, I think what the SEC can do to Facebook is pretty limited. I mean, it's, it's hard to levy a fine uh, against a company that's so, so rich that's really going to make a big impact. Yeah. So it's really hard to say. I think that, let's put it this way. I think that there's a lot of pressure both externally and within the company for Facebook to change how it does business. And we've seen that that pressure does have impact. I mean, as much as I'm sitting here criticizing Facebook there, they take a much more active stance towards the problems that we're discussing than they did even two or three years ago. So it's not like they're immune from this stuff. So I, I, I definitely think the company is going to um, react to some of the strongest criticisms here. And the, the question will be whether they, you know, go as far as I suggest they should in my article. Um, you know, for example, perhaps the most shocking thing that comes out of these documents is just how little Facebook invests in safety and, and quality control in non-English speaking countries. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so maybe I'm forgetting the exact statistics, but it's something like 90% of their budget for that um, is spent in the United States, even though the United States makes up a very small share of its users. Think about it. You know, Facebook's got billions. They, they announced in their earnings call yesterday more than 3 billion users. Well, so the U.S. is like 10% of that. So if they're spending most of their money on the U.S., that means that countries like Afghanistan or Ethiopia or Saudi Arabia or India or Bangladesh or wherever are getting a really, really short shrift. And that manifests very clearly in these documents where you have employees saying, you know, we don't even have people who speak this dialect of Arabic. And that's right. our third most spoken language on the platform. So one thing that I'm really looking out for is, you know, Facebook likes to brag about how much it's investing in safety around the world. These documents clearly show that that's baloney. And are they going to do really what it takes to offer the same level of, of, uh, of quality and safety overseas as they do in the U.S.? Are you surprised we haven't heard much from Mark Zuckerberg or Sheryl Sandberg? And they granted, as as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, you know, there's there's still probably in, in crisis and rapid response, building out that rapid response mode. Uh, at what point it does does Mark Zuckerberg have to just come out with with a statement? Does he have to go on CNN? Does he have to go on Anderson Cooper? Find a soft landing, something like that. I imagine he can't stay silent long, even if the earnings report was good. I am surprised that we haven't heard from Mark Zuckerberg or Sheryl Sandberg publicly yeah. on the earnings call yesterday. Um, I, I was jotting this down as I was listening, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg said he, he only obliquely addressed uh, these files, but he said, my view is that what we are seeing is a coordinated effort to selectively use leaked documents to paint a false picture of our company. Um, I don't know if, uh, if he's a listener to your show, but just, uh, on that point, um, that's uh, not not what we're seeing. This is not a coordinated effort. And uh, I can assure you that uh, we are not painting a false picture of uh, Mr. Zuckerberg's company. If I see an uptick in downloads to the Bay Current podcast from, you know, the Menlo Park, Palo Alto area, I think we'll know what's up. <laughs> uh, the fascinating conversation. I could go on and on. Uh, great information. Again, uh, Gilad Edelman is politics writer. 
with uh, Wired.com. Terrific article, How to Fix Facebook. According to Facebook employees, Wired.com is the place to find it. Appreciate a moment of your time. I know you've got a lot of reading that you're uh, still in the middle of. So thank you, Gilad. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Gilad Edelman at Wired Magazine. Highly, highly recommend his coverage. And Wired has done a tremendous job of breaking this down and really singling out some of the most interesting stories to come from the Facebook papers and Wired.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And you can get each episode of the Bay Current podcast on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.